Hi everyone, this is Chetan. Welcome to another episode of Career Bikes. And uh, I'm very excited today to invite uh, another speaker. And uh, this time we have someone who's not from India. And his name is Leo. And uh, also this is the first time we are recording in person. So hi, hi Leo, how are you? Hi Chetan, thank you for having me. Uh, really excited to be on the show. Ah, same, same here. Considering the fact that I've been a loyal listener as well. Thank you very <laughs> really much. Really exciting series, yeah. Thanks Leo and uh, thanks for uh, coming in person and recording. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, we are blessed to be based, both based in Tokyo. So I think, you know, having, being face to face and doing this recording is really good sure so so leo why don't you give everyone a background of yourself sure so uh my name is leo and uh i'm born and raised in singapore and then i was also educated in singapore uh so after graduation i did about five to six years of sales uh and business development across the region uh mostly focusing on the southeast asia region so then after that, I decided that I wanted to take a mid-career break. So I went to do my double MBA. So the first part of it was in Singapore, and then I finished the second part of it in Japan. And then it was at that point that I entered uh, Microsoft, and now I am working as a operations deal manager in the company. Wow, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and it's great to have someone from a technology firm for the first time on our podcast. So was was working with a tech firm something which you already always wanted to to do, because you interned with Nomura, I believe. Yes, yes. So uh, at the end of the business school, as with a lot of people, I think you're also from a business school background. Sure. Uh, you know the few kind of a main topic topics came up. So do you want to work for management consulting or uh, finance or for me it was also tech, right? And uh, I was evaluate my options at that point in time so obviously going into investment banking was one of the things that I was considering which explained my internship with Nomura um, but then uh, near the end of my course when I was making some applications uh, I was very blessed to be given the offer from Microsoft and so that was how I took it up and then yeah that's where I am right now very mm-hmm. nice so how, how long has it been with Microsoft till now so I've uh, I've actually officially clocked two years with the company oh, uh, at the end of last month. So really exciting stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's been, a, it's been a very interesting ride. Great, mm-hmm. great. So, so Leo, uh, please tell us a little bit about your early days at Microsoft. Right. And since you come from, an, from a B school and not from mm-hmm. a technical background, mm-hmm. uh, was it difficult for you to settle down at Microsoft? Uh, Yes, I would say I would say yes and no. So, um, as what you have very correctly pointed out, I actually came from a applied chemistry background, mm. and I actually you know worked a little bit in a, a laboratory. So, and then after that, going into business school. So then coming into Microsoft was really a whole new world for me. Uh, the first few months were quite. Uh, it was a completely brand new experience for me because. Uh, Microsoft is really big and then um, there are certain lingos that is very unique to the company but I think like the whole onboarding process was uh, quite okay so we you know we were given a timeline and then we were saying that okay and then we had regular check-ins with our managers as well just to make sure that everything is going fine and that you know our expectations are laid clear 
And so I, I think uh, it was quite unsettling, I would say, at the beginning. But uh, there are a lot of good people within the company to, company to make sure that, you know, we'll do all right. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so did you settle down in, in a month or did it take you longer? Right. So uh, it took me to be fully settled in my role uh, quite a while, actually. <laughs> I would say <laughs> I only started to feel really comfortable with my job for about a year. But obviously, um, I mean, for business school graduates, when we come in, uh, we're generally looking at like a timeline of between one to three months. Sure. Yeah, but that's just to really to get you settled in, get the basics in, and then after that, the rest of it is really on the job. Sure, sure. Mm. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm. was it your first time also working in Japan? Yes. So I, I did have a lot of business trips uh -huh. back and forth uh -huh. uh, with Japan. But to be actually living here and working here, yes, this is my first time. Sure. So some really exciting stuff too. <laughs> so yeah. it was a double adjustment. Yes. So, you know, uh, in B-School, they talk about the three big changes. The first is the change in country. Second is a change in industry. And then the third is a change in position. Uh -huh. So I managed to achieve all three. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Very thankful for the opportunity to do it. But right. yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, since I'm not aware, and uh, but was... Japanese something which you were already fluent in or did you were you also in the process of uh, brushing your Japanese uh, I wouldn't say so I did um, when I was applying for the role so obviously you had to indicate uh, how fluent you are in the mm -hmm. language and also part of the interview process was also done in Japanese wow uh, so yeah I did quite a, li quite a little bit of preparation for that uh, but I wouldn't consider myself to be extremely fluent. Mm. Uh, that came afterwards when mm. I got into the role because the role required me to communicate both with our operational headquarters in Singapore <coughs> as well as my main stakeholders who are based here in Japan. So half English, half Japanese, have to use it every day. So I would say I'm getting a little bit better now. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but yes, definitely not as fluent when I first started out. Yeah. So, so you covered three big things plus the language barrier as well, right? Right. I think uh, for folks who are really very seriously considering a career or starting to look for a job in Japan, especially if they're graduating from business school here, it always helps um, to be fluent in the language, right? Because communication is a mm -hmm. huge part of our day-to-day -day work. Uh, of course, if you're looking at something that's very technical or very unique, then that's a different story. But at the end of the day, you still have to communicate with your stakeholders and your bosses and your colleagues. Sure. So communication is important. And of course, you will also have to display your willingness to learn the language as well during the interview process, right? Because if you are very, very serious about a career here in Japan, that's probably one of the minimum stuff that you will have yes. to show. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure you feel the same too. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and just so that our listeners know, mm -hmm. uh, I've been in Japan for about 18 months mm -hmm. and uh, business level Japanese is very tough. So kudos to Leo for, uh, you know, uh, excelling in, in his business Japanese now. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah. And uh, okay, mm -hmm. so, so moving forward, Leo, mm -hmm. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your typical day at work, uh, things you do, people you meet, your work timings? Right. 
So uh, basically my role is a operations deal manager role in the company and uh, Microsoft is a really, really big company. So it's impossible for one person to be looking at everything, uh, everything at one shot, right? So the, the place in which my work revolves around is the volume licensing space. And to put that in retail uh, users kind of term uh, and terminology that people are more familiar with, it would be probably the office products that you're using. Mm -hmm. uh, but we are looking at the B2B sales model. So uh, my day-to-day, -day, so what we do as part of our role is we don't specifically meet the customers or the partners uh, that help our company sell the stuff. Uh, so what we do is that we help to facilitate and give operational advice mm. to the folks who are actually doing that, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, when things come in from into the operation space and when things start to get processed, so we help to solve problems, remove blockers, and then sometimes now uh, we also go further upstream to kind of give operational advice and consultations just to say that, okay, when things, you can perhaps consider to do this or tweak this so that when things finally come into the operation space, you don't meet up with any problems or hiccups and stuff like that. So it's both preventive as well as uh, trying to solve issues when they finally do, if they do actually happen. Mm -hmm. So my stakeholders, uh, my day-to-day -day is just a lot of that, a lot of talking with our various stakeholders. So we talk to the sales folks, we talk to the account, uh, account executives, right. uh, we talk to the, sometimes we talk to the account executives, sorry. Uh, occasionally, depending on the nature of the issue, we also do talk to people who are processing the deal, we talk to legal people. So basically, um, anything that requires any operational issues that happen and we will have to reach out to the necessary people, then we will do that accordingly. So the role is quite exciting. There's no one, there's no two days that are the same. Wow. <laughs> because you never know what problems might come up. Uh, but in that sense, it's also very, it's a, it's a very exciting space to work in mm. uh, from an operational perspective. Yeah. So, so you're in a unique position that you're handling everything from pre-sales to post-sales? Uh, from an operational perspective, yes. The mm. pre-sales uh, is like what I mentioned earlier, the kind of uh, operational consultation mm. just to give advice uh, if, when we are able to. Mm. Because you know, pre-sales, there are also a lot of things that happen at the customer space where there's a lot of negotiation, sure. contractual obligation, negotiations, and that kind of stuff which... Uh, we are not really that closely involved in, but if there's any kind of an operational niche in which they can come in and de-risk deals before mm. they come into, sure. our, be, be, uh, into our space, then we can help with that. Then obviously it goes into the, so that's the pre-sales and then after that, the sales space, we kind of pretty much do the same. And then after that, when it finally comes into the operational space where things get processed, uh, that's where we kind of, that's like a huge meat of also what we're trying to do right now. Mm. Mm. Coming to an interesting question and yep. I get asked this question a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people are very curious about the work hours, especially right. in Japan. Right. And a lot of, you know, preconceived no notions. So how is it for you? Right. Are you working long hours? So uh, I would say we work depending. So we, I have flexible work hours. Basically, uh, Microsoft is very very places a lot of emphasis on work-life balance 
you know, especially with our new CEO and, 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 and it's been cascaded throughout the management as well just to make sure that, you know, everybody's taking care, especially during these times, mm. right? Uh, everybody's taking good care of both their physical health as well as their mental health. So we do have a lot of reminders to make sure that we take breaks, we clear our leaves, <laughs> even though traveling is not really that viable of an right. option right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I would say, and the thing is that my role goes, uh, is cyclical, right? So when it gets really busy, mm. uh, there are occasional times when we do have to do overtime. But then, you know, there are also when it's not so busy, when, when it's our low peak period, then we obviously have the flexibility to take leave, uh, take some time off to spend with the family, or just basically just to unwind and to make sure that, you know, we're getting the, the rest that we uh, need. Very nice. Yeah. So flexible hours, um, but occasionally there, is, uh, there, there are times when we have to do overtime. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that sounds reasonable because you do get your downtime, uh, right? So. Right, right. I think uh, at the end of the day, it's just to make sure that you do not compromise the mm. quality of your work. Uh, as long as you make sure that you get your work done, then obviously you will also need to make sure that you're taking good care of your health. And like what I mentioned earlier, that's something that the company really places a lot of emphasis on, especially during this time uh, when, you know, uh, there's quite a lot of reports going on about how easy it is for people to get burnt out yeah. when things are moving online. Right. Uh, and I think there is even some sort of, there's even some talk about like it's more susceptible for folks who are working in the technology industry, right? Yeah, so we're quite careful about that. And I do really appreciate and uh, genuinely, you know, um, thank the company for putting the amount of emphasis and work that they are putting into this space. Very mm. nice. And, and I would like to add to that, that from my own perspective mm. of working in Japan, I don't think it's that bad as the preconceived notion is. And also there's very good rules in place. For example, number of overtimes in a month are fixed. You can't exceed that mm -hmm. uh, as per the government. And also you need to take a certain amount of leaves every year. In fact, I just got a reminder yesterday that I need to finish my <laughs> same <laughs> leaves yeah. for the year. So yeah, I, I also agree it's not, not always crazy. Yeah, I think like the society as a whole is changing over here in Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, this we're going into like macro kind of conversations, but definitely agree with you that, you know, the times, the... In well, I would say quote-unquote ancient times where people die from work, like karoshi and yeah. kind of those kind of stuff. So uh, the Japanese society as a whole, you know, they are being very careful about this as well. And you can see that people are being very serious, get, getting increasingly serious as well about regulations revolving around clearing leave, work-life balance and stuff like that. Yeah, which is a great direction, yes. I personally yes. feel. Yes, mm. and, and you know, unlike many countries, the regulations in Japan are taken seriously. So, yes. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's not just there and as a theoretical thing, but yeah. people do follow those regulations. For sure, yeah. for sure, yeah. absolutely. Okay, okay. So, uh, and Leo, another interesting thing which I want to cover about mm -hmm. your personality right. is that you al already told us you're from Singapore right? and you speak Japanese. <laughs> yes. So, what are the other languages, Leo, that you speak? So... <laughs> So I, um, so our national language is obviously, uh, sorry, our national language is Malay, uh -huh. but our official language is uh, English. So I, I speak English and then I do speak Mandarin as well. Wow. Uh, speak Japanese 
And then I did do a little bit of German back during my secondary school days. Wow. Right. So, uh, yeah, dabbled in quite a bit, I would say. But you forgot one language. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say I've, I'm able to speak that. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, so uh, Leo is not admitting, but he does speak uh, a bit of Hindi. And uh, he's quite good, actually. <laughs> TK. <laughs> and the only reason is because uh, I, I, I told you I did sales and business development for about five years. And then uh, a, one of the big markets that I was in charge of for the entire five years, even after having changed one company, uh, was the fact that I was still looking after the India market. Nice. Yeah, so I was traveling very, very often to India, uh, been to several parts of India really love how culturally rich the country is and very excited very it's really exciting to see how uh, the country as a whole has developed over the past five years when i was you know visiting there very often so yes i do know a little bit <laughs> thank you for pointing that out <laughs> yeah and okay so so leo uh, moving back to your job a little mm -hmm. bit mm -hmm. what is the most favorite part uh, about your job for you Right, so uh, I think like the, obviously I would break it down into two things. So the first thing was, um, I think this is, and I, wanna, I don't want to go back to uh, how a lot of people, I, I guess a lot of people have this kind of thought when they go into business school as well, right? It's really a very good time for you to kind of consolidate uh, whatever experiences that you have had before the business school. Mm -hmm learn more knowledge when you are in the business school and then take that as a really good time to think about what career you want as well. So at that point in time, uh, I did shortlist a few careers and uh, having had the R&D experience, having had the sales experience, I knew that having the operation perspective was something that I was gunning for. Mm. And so I was quite intentional, right? Uh, so that's one thing which I feel that um, for me, right now, one of the best part of my job is that I'm doing something that I was intentionally looking for and that what I wanted to do. So uh, having, being able to be given the opportunity to gain, gain the experience that I want to uh, at that point in my life. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is just having the wonderful opportunity to work with really, really amazing and brilliant people in my team mm. yeah so i think like uh being in a company like microsoft really gave me the the very rare opportunity to work with people who are really good at what they do and that gave that gives me a lot of opportunity to really learn about how people think how people approach problems um, and because of the fact that they're so good at what they do there's always a chance for me to learn something new so it's really having that space and having the um, exposure to be to, to be learning so many different things all the time every day and you know it's, it it really I, probably if i were to say this a lot of people in my company would be like we are re we've been repeating this so much to the point that it's you know it's at the point of ad nauseum but um, growth mindset is a huge thing right mm. now in our company and it's being emphasized so much like we are really tr transitioning from a point where we call ourselves a know-it-all to a learn-it-all right now 
And I think like the fact that the company is putting in so much effort into making sure that everybody is living that culture and uh, our CEO says, really uh, puts, it into, puts it into this phrase, it's about how this translates into the lived experience, right? For us every day in the company. Yeah, so having that chance to learn a lot of things every day, it's, it's just incredible, yeah. Just learning from all these brilliant people, you know, really capable people on a day-to-day basis. It's, it's just uh, something that I'm super grateful to, for, yeah. I must say you're a very good ambassador for your company. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, uh, I think that's the thing. Um, the attitude really counts. Uh, it, it, it's not just limited to Microsoft, right? Uh, I think it's, it's also how, like for example, in your role as well, and we've also spoken mm. about this a couple of times as well, right? It's, it's just how you approach things sure. and how you think about things oh. and just your general attitude, your general stance towards a lot of things in life. Uh, so it's it's not an MS thing, I think. I think it's something that can be applied to your life, your friendships, just anything in general. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks. Thanks <laughs> for that wonderful answer. And and uh, as we're coming close, Leo, mm-hmm. uh, listening to your story, and now that the tech industry is booming, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people want to get into uh, one of the big tech companies in the world. Mm-hmm. So do you have any advice for them? <laughs> well, I would say if if you're really uh, gunning for a position, uh, it might sound really cheesy, but the fact that it's cheesy is because it's in a way kind of true, right? Because people keep repeating it all the time. So I would say, um, first, if there are any missing skills that you feel you are having mm-hmm. in trying to get the role, just be very honest mm-hmm. about it. Right and close the skills gap. There are many, many ways in which you can do it. Uh, many, many resources that are available right now as well. And then I would just say, make good connections. Mm. Go out, talk to people, listen to the podcast <laughs> to find out more about different roles. Uh, and then just apply and try because you never know what you can get until you try. Yeah, so... Well, I got my role because I tried. <laughs> I stepped out of my comfort zone right. and I tried. Uh, nobody would have expected somebody from a chemical background to be able to enter a IT industry. Yeah, so I would say if, if that's something that you're thinking about and that's something that you're willing to give it a shot at, give it, uh, if, if it's something that you're willing to give it a shot, then just go for it. Mm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Leo, that, that was excellent and so glad to have you over. No, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank, yeah. Thanks a lot, Leo. And thanks everyone for listening in. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>